listening to Wiley Connected, a series of podcasts on tech, law, and policy. In each podcast, technology-focused lawyers at Wiley, a Washington, D.C. law firm, break down innovation and law with a uniquely D.C. perspective. I'm Megan Brown, partner in Wiley's cyber, tech, and telecom practices. This episode of Wiley Connected looks at cybersecurity vulnerability issues, in particular, a new pilot program being led by the Department of Defense on vulnerability disclosure. I'm joined by Melissa Weiss, Chief Operations Officer of DOD's Vulnerability Disclosure Program. We wrote about this new program in the fall, and it's moving ahead, building on DOD's past Hack the Pentagon program. It's likely to be a bellwether for future vulnerability disclosure programs across government, so we wanted to hear about it from the source. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Wiley Connected. I'm really excited to speak with you today, and I'm sure our listeners are going to learn a lot. I think first it would be helpful to do a little table setting and you sort of describe your role within DOD. Those of us in sort of the civilian land interact with DOD in a bunch of different ways, uh, but it would be helpful for you to sort of situate yourself for this discussion within the Department of Defense. Hello, Megan. Thank you for inviting me today. My role currently in the Department of Defense is as the Chief Operations Officer for the Vulnerability Disclosure Program at the DOD Cybercrime Center, known as DC-3. DC-3 became a Field Operating Agency, or FOA, on January 15th of this year, making it a separate agency under the Inspector General, Office of the Secretary of the Air Force. After 23 years of operating as a unit of the Air Force Office of Special Investigations or Air Force OSI. So, wow, Melissa, that's a lot of stuff at the Department of Defense, which is obviously huge and has a lot of different things going on in the security and cybersecurity space. From my perspective, it's always really fun to see women in security thriving and doing well. So I think it would really help our listeners as well to get a sense of sort of how you got there. Because that, you know, this cybersecurity stuff is relatively new compared to the historical mission of DOD. Yes, you're right about that. Um, in May, I will be celebrating my 12th year working for the federal government. I joined DC3 from a position in the Pentagon where I served as the chief technology officer in the business missions area for the deputy undersecretary of the Air Force. My primary role was roadmapping 400 plus information systems to the cloud. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Prior to the DOD, I was in the private sector at General Electric Aviation Division in the Repair Technology Center of Excellence, or RTCOE, as an Oracle database developer and administrator for all commercial and military aircraft engine repairs worldwide. Wow. So pretty important. I, I think commercial um, engine repairs are pretty important. So I'm glad they had good people doing that. I'm sure. You know, there you learned a lot about security and safety and and perhaps maybe vulnerability management. But uh, I thought maybe we would talk today about vulnerability management. And I think folks are really interested to understand sort of the background and what's going on with this uh, DOD vulnerability disclosure program pilot. Uh, before I think we can get into those issues, I thought it would really be helpful to chat about vulnerabilities and vulnerability management. Um, this is sort of a, a hot topic these days, uh, both in security, but also um, in Congress and in agencies and in boardrooms, but there's not one definition of vulnerability. So 
when you or, or when DOD talks about vulnerabilities, you know, what do you mean by vulnerabilities? Because it means a lot depending on, on what source material you're looking at or where you're sitting. Very true, Megan. However, we use the NIST 800-30 definition, and I quote, weakness in an information system, system security procedures, internal controls, or implementation that could be exploited by a threat source, end quote. The CERT division of Carnegie Mellon University Software Engineering Institute adds, and I quote, caused by software defect, configuration or design decisions, unexpected interactions between systems, or environmental changes, end quote. So it is very important to define even the most elemental of terms so that all parties involved are in agreement. Yeah, and this is something we see as different agencies about which I won't ask you to comment, of course, are grappling with vulnerabilities, whether it might be those that emerge in connected health devices or network operation systems, right? This concept of vulnerability is talked about a lot. So I appreciate you giving us that level set. Um, for the audience, the NIST publication she referred to is uh, published by the National Institute of Standards and Technology, which is a part of the Department of Commerce, and we can link to that publication in the notes for this podcast in case folks want it. It's not the uniform definition, but it is a very common definition that you're going to see pop up in lots of federal programs. So I think that's a really good starting point and to understand that that's where sort of DOD may be coming from when it thinks about vulnerability. As you described, Melissa, potentially a very broad concept in terms of the, the issues that could be raised and what might constitute a vulnerability. So as folks think about these vulnerabilities, right, and, and are concerned about both products, services, software that's out in the world being purchased and used by the federal government, by critical infrastructure, We've seen a, a trend, at least I'll speak for myself, I've seen a trend over the past several years to really look at how to manage those vulnerabilities, both in terms of identifying them, which can be challenging, uh, but also questions about disclosing them to end users so that when there's a remediation or a patch or a mitigation, um, the user community can respond. So I think there's a lot of elements to vulnerability management I think what would be really helpful is for you to talk about what a vulnerability disclosure program is, or VDP. You know, DOD's been been going down this path. Lots of other agencies are interested in this. Some members of Congress are really, really focused on this. But Melissa, from your perspective, what is a vulnerability disclosure program, or VDP? Again, this may not define every VDP. But the Department of Defense Vulnerability Disclosure Program is well-defined at four years old. DOD VDP is a means for ethical security researchers to legally test and inform the DOD of vulnerabilities they have found on its information systems. The implementation of a VDP permits authorized testing and DOD assets with safe harbor against law enforcement or civil lawsuits. The VDP also clearly outlines both the technical scope and the rules for authorized testing. This program improves the relationship between the DOD and the computer security research community and creates a positive feedback loop 
to enhance the department's security through speedy discovery and remediation of vulnerabilities. VDP is a component within the Fed's Coordinated Vulnerability Disclosure, or CVD, methodologies, as highlighted in OMB Memorandum M-20-32, the other being bug bounty programs. And before we get to bug bounty programs and some of the misperceptions about VDP, and for our listeners, we'll go ahead and link as well to that OMB memo. Uh, so you can have that at, at your fingertips as well if you want more information. Just want to pause for a moment, Melissa, if it's okay with you, and just explain a little bit about that safe harbor concept. For folks who, who play in this space a lot, they'll understand that safe harbor against law enforcement or civil lawsuits that you mentioned, but um, it's a critical piece that the government's been looking at and security researchers have been talking about for years now, which is as a result of federal statutes like the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act and, and copyright protections and anti-circumvention tools, um, there are real legal risks associated with certain security research, right? Um, and so these these VDP programs, some of them, both in the in the private sector and in the public sector, often include this concept of a safe harbor that says, you know, if you comply with our approach and our parameters, which the system owner sets, we won't sue you, <laughs> and we we effectively give consent for you to do that which you're doing. So I just wanted to make sure our listeners understood. There's lots of resources out there from um, the Department of Commerce from I think SANS and other groups about different aspects and different flavors of VDP and the safe harbor approaches. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that our listeners understood that piece of it. And now, Melissa, maybe that you know dovetails into misperceptions that are out there about VDP. I mean, I personally, um, you know, have been in the past a little skeptical that every company in America is ready to just run out and adopt a public-facing VDP. But maybe you could talk to us about some of the general misperceptions that you've seen in your career in security and maybe what you've been seeing now uh, associated with the federal government's efforts around VDP. One misperception is the difference between a vulnerability disclosure policy and a program. Vulnerability disclosure programs incorporate three major components, policy, channel, and process. Vulnerability disclosure policies are an increasingly common tool used by industry to harden networks and improve product security. These policies give guidelines to the security researchers regarding how to test and submit vulnerabilities in a secure, protected, and legal channel known as that safe harbor, along with an internal process for validating, triaging, and remediating vulnerabilities in an appropriate and timely manner based on severity ratings. However, a VDP is not. <laughs> it's not <laughs> a bug bounty, um, which is uh, generally a timed event that provides monetary rewards for vulnerability findings. Hmm. DOD VDP rewards our crowdsource researchers with reputation points, not currency. VDP hmm. is also not a red, blue, green, orange, white team. It's not pen testing. VDP uh, is not incident response. 
So the goal of VDP is to find and mitigate vulnerabilities prior to exploitation to stay what we call left boom. Hmm. And lastly, it is not the vulnerabilities equities process or VEP. VEP is used by the federal government to determine on a case-by-case basis how a zero day is to be processed. Interesting, and we could have a whole podcast on VEP, uh, but I won't take us down those paths. They're fascinating, but that's a really good overview of what a VDP is not. I, I like that framing. So why is DOD engaged with this issue and how did it get here? This feels a little cool for DOD uh, as a layperson, right? <laughs> so what's DOD about it with this? DOD was the first federal agency to establish a Vulnerability Disclosure Program, or VDP, and now runs the largest ethical hacking program in the world. It is a legal means for security researchers around the world to discover and report weaknesses in DOD systems. Established in November of 2016, this program allows private uncompensated security researchers, aka ethical or white hat hackers to report vulnerabilities to the DOD without fear of federal prosecution or civil liability. If they comply with the DOD policy conditions over the past 4 years, these security researchers have probed DOD websites every single day for avenues of exploitation, discovering over 26,000 new vulnerabilities that were completely unknown to the DOD system owners and their automated scanning tools, including many critical to high severity vulnerabilities and five zero days. The US government is constantly under threat from hackers. DOD information systems and networks have been compromised in the past through unpatched or unknown vulnerabilities in websites, systems, networks, and applications. VDP's objective is to reduce the time between when a vulnerability is discovered, the vulnerability organization is notified, and the vulnerability is fixed by providing an open avenue for the discoverer of the vulnerability to share directly with the DOD for remediation. Wow, super interesting. So that brings us to what DOD is doing now with this pilot program, which is the Defense Industrial Base Vulnerability Disclosure Program Pilot, right? And so this this made some news. A lot of folks are interested always in what DOD is up to, but can you describe for us this pilot program and what the private sector should be looking for? Sure. The Defense Industrial Base Vulnerability Disclosure Program, or DIB-VDP, pilot program, and it is a mouthful, um, (laughs) is a free voluntary service established collaboratively by DC3's DOD Defense Industrial Base Collaborative Information Sharing Environment, or DICE, the DOD VDP, which I'm in, and the Defense Counterintelligence and Security Agency, or DCSA. The DIP-VDP pilot program was born out of the desire to bring the lessons learned of the DOD VDP to the DIP companies. The pilot was strongly recommended at the conclusion of a nine-month DIP-VDP feasibility study from Carnegie Mellon University's Software Engineering Institute, or SEI. The pilot will launch on April 5th 
of 2021, run no longer than 12 months, and be followed by results analysis. Some of the nation's largest technology firms and Fortune 500 companies use crowdsourced security tactics, such as bug bounties and vulnerability programs, as a low-cost tool to augment and strengthen their security and delivery of digital services. I see interest in this issue really across government, not just uh, DOD. And this includes at DHS in a recent binding operational directive on vulnerability management, as well as a recent federal law addressing minimum standards for security in connected devices or the Internet of Things acquired by the federal government. Can you share your views on some trends in this space? There are many areas of opportunity for vulnerability disclosure programs. The DHS BOD 20-01 provided an impetus for organizations to create their own VDPs. It would have been nice to have established national VDP standards and or guidelines. Current ISO standards may be too vague to develop a successful VDP. Existing frameworks and structures vary widely from organization to organization and CISO to CISO. Promoting and developing a federated VDP data sharing platform would cut down on bureaucracy and reduce siloed information that could hinder the ability to quickly identify and disseminate trends gathered by the crowdsourced researcher community. In 2020, DOD VDP shared lessons learned by providing a VDP 101 briefing to a wide variety of agencies, including DHS CISA, the State Department, and even at a state level, North Carolina's Department of Information Technology. VDP leadership also participates in the Aviation Cyber Initiative and the Shipbuilders Council to bring VDP awareness to those sectors as well. Oh, I hadn't realized that. I had seen some maritime uh, cybersecurity planning from the government recently, so that's interesting that there's a inc that includes a focus on a VDP. Really interesting. So we did mention the National Institute of Standards and Technology before, and I end up with my colleagues practicing before them a lot because they do so much in the tech space and cybersecurity these days. Maybe you could talk a bit about the role of NIST with regard to the Internet of Things and helping uh, DOD and others outside the sort of straight or more narrow uh, FISMA space, FISMA being the Federal Information Security Management Act for those uh, keeping track of acronyms at home. But maybe talk a little bit, please, about it, you know the role of NIST in this space generally besides that sort of more familiar FISMA role. The Internet of Things Cybersecurity Improvement Act of 2020 provides guidelines pertaining to information items. And I quote, a contractor or any contractor thereof at any tier providing an information system, including Internet of Things device to the federal government, end quote. I am not personally on the NIST IoT working group. However, it does include a member of the DOD VDP staff to support efforts of sharing standards based on real world experience. Interesting. Yeah, and this does seem to be sort of at that um, intersection of a lot of what the federal government's doing. Um, so that's that's good to know that DOD is plugged into that. You know, you get to see a lot, Melissa, I think, um, of sort of where the government's 
head is, assuming it has one collective head, but, you know, from the vantage point you get to sit at and see lots of these emerging issues, what other topics do you see coming down the road as you look ahead in this particular space? Several organizations are working on the uh, CVSS, and that's the Common Vulnerability Scoring System. Um, and they're looking at the CVSS plus threat plus exploit in anticipation of AI and machine learning or other scalability options for vulnerability reporting. Cyber defenders and system owners are at task saturation, and it is time to migrate assessment from art to science. Well, that sounds like a a potentially very useful, but also challenging task ahead. I know in the private sector, um, vulnerability um, severity rating can be challenging for folks. Um, I know there are databases that that uh, will will contain information about those commonly recognized vulnerabilities and those reported. But this does remain a challenge for the private sector, and and hopefully what the government comes up with can be a lesson. Um, it might not fit one to one with what the private sector needs, uh, but but it's always useful to look at how the government does things because they tend to be the tip of the spear for some of these uh, cybersecurity related initiatives. So with that, thank you so much, Melissa, for joining us on the uh, Wiley Connected podcast. We here love these security issues. We appreciate the partnership that the private sector and the, the Department of Defense and other agencies like DHS have. So your willingness to chat about this and the agency's engagement with the private sector more broadly is very much appreciated. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for tuning in to the Wiley Connected podcast brought to you by the attorneys at Wiley. If you enjoyed this episode of Wiley Connected, we encourage you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For additional resources and materials, head over to WileyConnect.com. Thank you for listening. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Wiley Ryan LLP and its employees. The material contained in this podcast is not intended to be and is not considered to be legal advice. Transmission is not intended to create and receipt does not establish an attorney-client relationship.